We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Oregon fans? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. We're coming to you live on both YouTube and Twitter. So if you want to find us on YouTube, Oregon Football Max Torres is where you can do that. Uh, make sure that you drop a comment in the live chat and let me know how you're feeling about Bo Nix's return to Oregon. That's what we're going to lead the show off with today, uh, as well as just the state of Oregon football recruiting. And then if you are on Twitter, you can find me at Sports. Be sure to lock in with me over there and drop me a follow. Uh, quick note before we dive into today's show, a couple quick notes, actually, just kind of some housekeeping items. Uh, I did put out a tweet asking for you guys to uh, drop me some questions for a mailbag. And you guys sent me some awesome questions, but so much has happened since I sent that tweet out that I have kind of a new uh, priority list for the show. So like I said, make sure you hop into the live chat and ask me a question and I'll do my best to get to it after I hit on some of the other topics in tonight's show. And then I wanted to make sure that I got out in front of it and just let you guys, the audience, know that uh, I'm going to be heading out of town uh, out of the country, actually, uh, you know, for the, the Christmas holiday. Uh, so I'm not really sure when I'm going to be able to do a podcast again. I might be able to do it during the trip, might not be able to, but we'll see. And then because of the time change with the early signing period, a lot of my news is probably going to be kind of wonky with the timing and might be pretty delayed. But I'm going to do my very best to try to juggle managing the vacation, enjoying the vacation and following, trying to keep up with the Ducks on the recruiting trail. But just ask that you, uh, you know, be patient with me and know that I'm doing my best to uh, bring you guys that content and keep up to date with everything on the recruiting trail. But with all that being said, we finally have an answer. Quarterback Bo Nix is returning to Eugene for the 2023 college football season with the Ducks. Absolutely huge news out of Eugene on Sunday afternoon. And uh, it was a it was a decision that we had been waiting for for so long. We all know how important the quarterback position is, especially for Oregon. It's a position that they've I don't know if I want to say mismanaged necessarily, although we could talk about that. But they they haven't had the best luck with the quarterback position over the past couple of years. Struggled to find consistency. Even when Justin Herbert was at Oregon, they weren't playing their best football that they could have. And we all know that. We've been following Oregon for a while. 
So Bo Nix's return to Oregon is massive. And I think that it kind of grew to be more expected over the past couple of weeks. You know, there was some chatter that he was helping to recruit um, for Oregon, even before making that decision. And then I remember after Treshawn Holden, the Alabama wide receiver transfer announced his commitment to Oregon. I saw someone had, uh, had posted, you know, well, would he have made that commitment if he didn't know who was going to be the quarterback for Oregon in 2023? Um, and, and I think that that definitely stands to reason that he probably knew that Bo was going to be coming back. Um, but uh, he had an awesome season and uh, you know, he does have some injury history. He had his best college season. So I think before Bo had announced his decision to come back to Oregon, um, I thought that um, I thought that for a while, I thought that he was going to for sure leave. Uh, and that wasn't based on any Intel. It was just kind of, you know, tracking his college football career started off, you know, okay at, at Auburn, obviously started on a high note for him and the Tigers beating Oregon in his debut in 2019, but kind of a rocky, you know, rocky career at Auburn, you know, kind of developed a reputation as a guy who had loads of playmaking ability, but really wasn't too good at taking care of the ball. And then he entered the transfer portal fresh off of, I believe it was an ankle injury or some kind of a foot injury that required surgery, cut his 2021 season short. And then he ended up, um, he ended up, announcing that he'd be entering the transfer portal and reunited with Kenny Dillingham in Eugene for one stellar season. Um, and then things kind of kind of ran off the tracks a little bit with late losses down the road uh, against Washington when he got hurt and then against Oregon State as well. Had an awesome win over Utah on uh, one foot that I think really cemented him in the eyes of a lot of Duck fans, right? Just seeing him gut out that performance was was so huge. Um so I think the fact that he just came to Oregon, had a great year, hit by far and away his best college season, and with uh, you know kind of where he was at in his life too, I think that could potentially have been a factor. Absolutely was a factor, I would say, in his decision. Right, you know, you have a wife, you're going to consult her and kind of see where her head's at. I'm sure that that factored into this a little bit. Um, but I think with with Bo Nix coming back now, um, it's it's a huge win for Oregon. Right, you have some stability for you know the first time in a while you have some stability and continuity at the quarterback position um you know this is the first time since justin herbert like i was saying earlier in the show that oregon's had you know the same starting quarterback for consecutive seasons uh vernon adams is only there for a year dakota prukop was only there for a year but that was a total nightmare uh you know of a of a transfer for the ducks uh, and then you had Tyler Shuck and, and Anthony Brown playing a little bit. So now you go from a guy who played at a really high level, tremendously high level in 2022, and you're looking to parlay that momentum into 2023. But, you know, there still is some uncertainty because of the transfer portal, because of recruiting. Uh, you know, in the 2023 class, we got the early signing period coming up just this next week, starting on Wednesday, uh, December 21st. And I believe that runs through uh, Friday, the 23rd. So there's a lot of stuff, you know, Oregon's trying to put finishing touches on this 2023 class. You know, there's a lot of talk about Dante Moore, who we're going to talk about after I finish talking about Bo Nix's return, see if I can kind of separate those topics a little bit. Um, but there's, you know, a bunch of pieces that off uh, that offensive line that, that are leaving, right. That's a veteran laden offensive line in 2023. That's going to be moving on to, in many cases, pursue a professional career. 
so now Oregon has to go out and find some pieces and they're, they're looking to um, they're bring they're already bringing in weapons for Bo Nix uh, in terms of just, you know, the offensive skill positions, right? You have Trayshawn Holden who comes in from Alabama. You have Troy Franklin who's coming off of his best season. You have Chris Hudson on the roster as well. Uh, Chase Coda, he runs out of eligibility. Dante Thornton in the portal. Seven McGee announced his commitment to Jackson State. That's a that's a newer update. That's an exciting destination for him. Definitely wish him the best. He was an exciting playmaker that just never really carved out the role that he wanted to. Um, but I think that there is definitely an exciting time for Oregon with Bo Nix coming back. And I think that one of the biggest things that's really interesting, I want to reference a, uh, a tweet that I put out earlier, earlier today that kind of just, um, I think really just got, you know, an interesting, interesting little, you know, thought in my head. So let me go ahead and, um, let me go ahead and find the tweet. I don't, I'm at my, my mom's place in, uh, in the Bay area. So I don't have my normal setup. Uh, but I'm going to do my, my best to to navigate this. Um, so here we go. So I tweeted uh, earlier this afternoon. Um, I said, Bo Nix's return is great for Oregon in 2023, but one big question still looms over the program. Who's QB1 in 2024, and what does that room look like aside from Bo Nix? And I think that this is a very reasonable question to be asking because right now you have two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. You have Bo Nix and you have Ty Thompson, Jay Butterfield hit the transfer portal. And I think it's, it's not a guarantee that Ty Thompson is going to be coming back for you in 2023. Um, and I'm not trying to speculate on a transfer. I'm just saying it's, it's not a, a for sure thing, right? You know, he came to Oregon as a, as a five-star quarterback in the 2021 class has now gone through two previous two offensive coordinators and now he's getting ready for his third with Will Stein hasn't really uh hasn't really um you know carved out a, 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 a you know big role um there for um you know for himself at, at Oregon so I wouldn't be surprised if he were to elect to um to move on um so right now you only have um you only have two quarterbacks on your roster. And there was an interesting quote tweet that uh, kind of, I think can spark some interesting conversation. Uh, So let me go ahead. And uh, so this, this quote tweet was from, um, I believe it was actually from Matrell McGraw, who is a former Oregon defensive back. Uh, He quoted the tweet and he said, quote, it's time for y'all to correct your train of thought. Everyone is one year deal. Now, no team knows what their rooms will look like come fall camp, let alone 2024. And I think that he honestly has a good point. And it just made me think, you know, maybe I need to take a step back myself and look at this. Are we at the point in college football where you really are forced to look solely at the quarterback position from a year to year basis? You know, gone are are the days gone of having the same guy there for multiple years. You know, it seems like there are truly only a handful of programs that have um, that have consistency at the quarterback position. You have Bryce Young playing multiple years at, at Alabama. You have CJ Stroud playing multiple years at, uh, at Ohio state. Um, who else can we talk about? Uh, you know, you had Oklahoma who had some really, really good, you know, run of quarterbacks with, with Baker Mayfield and then Jalen hurts came in for a year. So I, I think it's just really interesting to look at the quarterback position because, you know, you have NIL obviously being a factor more so than any other position in the country, 
at the quarterback position, right? That's the most important position in the field. Those guys are going to command top dollar in the, in the NIL space. Um, so I think it's just an interesting thing to look at, you know, but even if we are looking at only a year to year basis, let's say we are taking that approach, right? Bo Nix is coming back to Oregon for one more season, but if he gets hurt, you don't have any depth in that room. So I think that's why, um, that's why Dante Moore or that's why any other quarterback in this 2023 class becomes so important. So maybe these topics do just completely overlap and, and it doesn't make too much sense to try to, um, to try to, you know, separate them because they're both quarterbacks. But I think just to, to wrap up some more of the positive and then we'll venture into maybe some of the unknown or kind of some of what lies ahead with, with Dante Moore talk a little bit. Right. So with, with Bo Nix coming back, I think it obviously, obviously immediately raises the, um, raises the floor for Oregon's offense, right? You know, Will Stein comes in for his first year as an offensive coordinator at Oregon, and uh, he has a proven commodity. He has a quarterback who's played some really, really good football. He has a guy who's dual threat, uh, who has grown as a decision maker. He's grown as a leader. You know, there's so many times when I went on to social media and I saw people talking about, man, just look at how these guys on this Oregon team rally around Bo Nix, you know, game after game, especially when he was hurt. Um, and you saw his, examples of his leadership shining when Oregon was really in some, some tough games, um, you know, down the stretch and they, they were able to turn to Bo um, to get some big plays. So I think that you have obviously some, some security for that offense, uh, which is awesome. Uh, that backfield is is now going to have, you know, Bucky Irving and, and Noah Whittington, uh, Jordan James. And uh, there's also Dante Dowdell in the 2023 recruiting class. Uh, and then you have more, more of those pieces coming together at wide receiver. Maliki Montevallo entered the transfer portal. So that's an update at tight end. I think since the last time that we spoke, like I said, a lot of things happened since the last podcast that I recorded. Haven't been able to do these as often as I want to. Um, but so that's the, you know, there's so many pluses for Bo coming back in the 2023 season, but because I cover recruiting, you're looking at roster management, you're looking at projections and and, and getting to the future. So I think it's an, an, an uh, I think it is an easy question worth asking is, you know, what do things look like in the future once Bo leaves? Because that now becomes not the biggest question because the biggest question now becomes, who can they find to serve as the primary backup? Because I think most people can agree that that Ty Thompson isn't necessarily where they need him to be, to be at that point of, of having no drop off. So now we have to talk about Dante Moore because Dante Moore uh, is obviously the, the biggest recruit kind of in the Oregon recruiting scene right now, five-star quarterback committed to Oregon back in July Kenny Dillingham takes the Arizona State job as the offensive coordinator, you know, coming from the, um, Kenny Dillingham was the offensive coordinator at Oregon and the quarterback's coach. And, and he was also obviously Dante Moore's main recruiter and he was selling him on the offensive vision. You know, you had a, a young guy, a young play caller that was going to be able to, to really utilize his ability and his departure. Clearly Kenny Dillingham's departure clearly created a very, tangible, sizable opening for other schools to come in and try to capitalize, or at least, you know, give them a call and say, Hey, Dante, you know, you want to come out and take a visit, you know, give us a look, hear us out. 
There was some chatter about Ohio State being one of those schools because they lost Brock Glenn to Florida State, but um, they ultimately flipped the Washington quarterback commit um, out of the state of South Dakota. So they found their quarterback. And then UCLA with Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, going to the NFL, they have a wide open quarterback battle. But Bo coming back, if you know early playing time is something that's of the utmost important for Dante Moore, I just wanted to put it out there that I haven't talked to Dante Moore. So a lot of this is just going off of reading the tea leaves and previous interviews he's done and whatnot. But if playing right away is something that is of the utmost importance for Dante Moore, he's not going to be able to do it at Oregon um, because Bo Nix is coming back and, um, you know, figures to be the, you know, starter for uh, for this 2023 season. But, uh, you know, you have a much clearer path to playing time if Dante Moore were to go to UCLA. Um, and, you know, I did a little bit of digging and, and, you know, based on some of the people that I've talked to, it, it does look like, you know, UCLA is in a, a really, really good spot here. And, um, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me right now if Dante Moore were to flip to UCLA. That's kind of just what I'm going to, what I'm operating on, what I've been operating on since, uh, you know, this morning, um, since I talked to, talked to one of my sources, um, that source was more so more so connected to UCLA in this um, in this regard. So that's not an Oregon source. I want to make sure I put that out there. That you know the source I was talking to was a little bit more so connected to UCLA. But you know anything can happen, and you got to wait to see what happens between now and Wednesday because it does look like Dante is going to be an early signee, early enrollee guy, as you would expect with the uh, with the quarterback position. Um, so where would Oregon go in the case that Dante Moore were to flip to UCLA? Uh, I think there's a couple scenarios here, right? Where would Oregon go if they were to lose Dante Moore to UCLA? I think the first option is one that's really tough. And I think the first option is you go after another 2023 high school quarterback that is more than likely committed somewhere else. Given the timeline, that is really, really difficult. So maybe that's not the most plausible one, but that's kind of just the first one that maybe comes to mind. And then the next one, obviously, is the transfer portal because you have ready-made guys that are um, not ready-made. That's the wrong word to use. You have you have guys that are proven. You have proven guys at the college level. Many of them, in almost all cases, have started at their previous stops, and they're capable of coming in and giving you some immediate depth because they've played snaps at the college level. Some people were talking about DJ Uyunglele uh, and, you know, with, with Mateo having him, his younger brother having Oregon in the t- their, his top three, maybe they're a little bit of a package deal. But with a guy like DJU, you're not going to be able to get him to Oregon because the path to playing time is incredibly difficult because Bo's coming back now. So I think even though the the uncertainty with Dante Moore and obviously it looks like things are very much trending towards UCLA, that's not where Oregon wants to be. At least Bo has made his decision and they have some clarity regarding that, you know, that picture. I think so the transfer portal would be another one, but you got to have a guy that is comfortable coming to Oregon, knowing that he's going into a situation where it's like, okay, Hey, you want to come play football on Eugene? That's Bo's job. We're going to be very clear and upfront with you about that, but we'd love to have you in this room. Um, so I thought that that you know that's an interesting thing to consider when Oregon's looking for uh, another quarterback to add into that room. 
let's say even if Ty Thompson stays, I think you want to add at least two more quarterbacks. So you have four quarterbacks, four scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. So the transfer portal becomes, you know, Oregon's best friend right now, not only to add to the depth behind Bo, because there's virtually none now. Um, this is again, operating on the uh, operating as if Dante Moore, um, since he's trending to UCLA, there, there's not that much depth in the room. So there's the transfer portal and you have to see what's going on there. And then I think another option, which could be a little interesting is, is going after a quarterback in 2024. Um, I think that you kind of have to go in the transfer portal and obviously you're putting in a lot of work in 2024. Miles um, Jackson was a big quarterback target for Oregon, but he reclassified and now he's at Stanford. So maybe you try to get a top 2024 quarterback and get him to reclassify. But again, I'm just throwing things out there. You know, may- these are just thoughts that go through my mind. So maybe it's not the Maybe it's not the most sensible thing, but maybe you go for a 2024 quarterback and try to get him to reclassify. But for all of that to come together, I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds crazy to say that something like that could come together that quickly. I mean, you'd have to get a guy who's already put in the work to reclassify academically, right? But so many of these transfer portal recruitments, you know, they're done in a matter of days, right? You had guys that entered the portal on the fifth and then they immediately found a new home. So it's really tough to to kind of manage this dynamic, but I think that we're probably going to see a combination of transfer portal and high school recruiting for the quarterback position going forward. But Oregon and recruiting the quarterback position continues to be just such an interesting and evolving topic to track in the world of recruiting because the most important position on the field and it's oftentimes the position where guys commit the earliest because they want to have a quarterback in the fold and be able to build that class uh, around the quarterback. And now in the era of name, image, and likeness, it's the position that commands the most money. Um, so it's really interesting to, to look at that and, you know, kind of see how the, how NIL name, image, and likeness is, is affecting recruitments because I think one thing that we could also talk about that's really interesting, you know, Phil Knight was, uh, you know, there were reports that he was on campus uh, this weekend for for Oregon's, you know, big recruiting weekend before uh, nat- early signing period. I th- I'd be curious to see what you guys think, but I think one interesting topic is Oregon doesn't have as deep as pockets as I think a lot of fans think they do. Just because of the, the Nike connection certainly, certainly helps, but I don't think that Oregon can compete in when it comes to financial resources with some of these SEC schools that have old money with some of these schools in Texas that have quite literally oil money. So I'm, I'm not trying to come off as pessimistic at all, but you know, I'm a, I'm a journalist and I'm trying to give my take and I'm, you know, I work as much as I can to form a good opinion and I want to share it with you guys and then just, you know, let you know, kind of what's going through my head and, you know, all these different factors that come into recruiting. So while the Nike connection is awesome, Oregon is Nike U and everybody, whenever I feel like Oregon is going through any kind of hardship when it comes to football or football recruiting, they're saying, okay, just, just have uncle Phil, you know, uh, write another check and, and, you know, try to fix things that way. I don't think that that is, is ultimately the, the way to go not the way to go, but that it doesn't get you as far as I think you, you want to. So it's, it's an interesting point. 
Um, I know a lot of people want to talk about, you know, money now since it's like, you know, the NIL uh, era of recruiting. But I just wanted to put that out there because I do think it's it's a really interesting dynamic. But we're going to have to we're going to have to continue to track Dante Moore and uh, see what happens in that recruitment. But, you know, from what I've been able to gather, it does seem like he is definitely trending towards UCLA. I know a lot of the biggest names in the recruiting industry have been reporting that, but I'm doing what I can to follow up things on my own and, uh, you know, try to develop and continue to strengthen my, you know, reputation as a journalist. So that's a little bit of what I have to share is that it does look like, you know, things are, are trending that way. Um, so just wanted to talk about that. But we have uh, maybe we can switch up the tone a little bit and talk about some more positive news because Oregon did get a new commitment uh, over the weekend, and that was when um, that was when Juke not Juco Jesus um, that is when former Alabama cornerback Kyrie Jackson announced his commitment to the Ducks, uh, committing to Oregon over Kentucky uh, this weekend on Sunday. And that was a big development for Oregon, right? This is a guy that fills a major position of need. He was on campus before making his um, before making his uh, ultimate commitment. Played two seasons at Alabama, where he didn't rack up a ton of stats: fourteen tackles and two pass deflections or passes defended, rather. Um, and it looks like he has one season of eligibility remaining. He was at two separate junior colleges before going to Alabama. Um, just to kind of give you a little bit of background on where Kyrie Jackson has been. He was at Dr. Henry Wise High School in Maryland, and then he went to Fort Scott Community College, and then he went to East Mississippi Community College before going to Alabama. So it looks like he has one year of uh, eligibility remaining. <clears throat> and I want to talk a little bit about his on-field impact, because that's obviously something that you want to be looking for. And uh, I'm trying to get better at, you know, evaluating film and getting better at the X's and O's and telling you guys what guys are bringing to the table from uh, an on-field standpoint. Um, but I wasn't terribly familiar with Kyrie Jackson, so I hit up one of our guys, Joey Blackwell, at Bama Central. Uh, you guys know I'm running the Oregon site for Fan Nation Sports Illustrated, and he is helping out with the Alabama site. And here's what he said about Kyrie Jackson. He said, the majority of his experience is as a zone corner, but would likely excel in press man coverage if given the opportunity. Jackson shows great patience in man coverage, displaying confidence, speed, and athleticism. Great timing when making plays on the ball and also possesses willingness as a tackler, which is something that you want at cornerback. He's physical, allowing him to succeed in space and give him enough versatility and speed to potentially play safety if the need arises. So maybe you have a little bit, maybe you have a little bit of a little bit of versatility there when it comes to Kyrie Jackson, but obviously he's a position of need with Christian Gonzalez going to the NFL draft. Uh, you absolutely needed to add some more talent and some more proven experience to that room. Uh, you have guys at a, uh, you have guys at cornerback like Dante Manning, Triquas Bridges, Jaleel Florence, uh, Avante Dickerson, Darren Barkins names like that, but, um, you know, and then they're also looking at more guys, um, more guys in the 2023 recruiting class at cornerback. Uh, you know, there's some predictions coming in that, uh, right after pretty much coinciding with Kyrie Jackson's commitment to Oregon, there were predictions coming in crystal balls coming in for Caleb Presley, a 2023 Oregon 
cornerback commit to flip his commitment to Washington. And that was ultimately a, a late push by the Huskies. The Huskies are the in town, the hometown school, and they did beat Oregon uh, this year in the rivalry. And I'm not saying if Oregon were to lose Caleb Presley, that that would be the reason, but obviously you gain a significant amount of recruiting momentum when you can beat your rival. Um, but the Ducks also have Cole Martin in the 2023 recruiting class. They're working to hold off uh, a late push from Louisville in that recruitment. You also have Colin Gill out of the D.C. area coming in in that 2023 class. I think he has some versatility from a positional standpoint. And then there's some more pieces you're going after uh, at, in this 2023 class, like Dalen Austin, the 2023 LSU cornerback commit out of Long Beach Poly. I've been telling you guys about Dalen Austin for a while. I really like where Oregon stands in that recruitment, but he is not going to be an early signee. So the Ducks are going to have to continue putting in a lot of work on the recruiting trail over there with Dalen Austin. And then you also have Roderick Pleasant, the speedy cornerback out of uh, Unipro Serra in Gardena, California. He took his official visit to Oregon for the Utah game. And I think that Oregon kind of has everything that he wants in terms of a college, obviously with a track guy like Roger Pleasant, it's hard to find a better place than Oregon. So those are some more names that you have to continue tracking on the recruiting trail for Oregon. And if I'm Oregon, I'm taking as many cornerbacks that want to come to Oregon because that pass defense got absolutely shredded all year. But it's worth saying that the pass rush also needs to pull its weight. So Oregon needs to do a lot of work at the point of attack to get after the quarterback. And then that's obviously going to work in tandem with the secondary and having better coverage. And then you need to bring in more playmakers that can force turnovers and uh, just be chaos, be, uh, you know, chaos causers. I was trying to think of how to say that I'm a little bit rusty because I haven't done, haven't done uh, one of these podcasts in a little bit, but um, you know, end of the day, Kyrie Jackson is a guy that can ultimately come in and, and play right away, right? That's what you're looking at. You're looking at a Christian Gonzalez type of situation. And now that we can look back on it, since Christian Gonzalez has played his last game as a duck, Christian Gonzalez's, you know, uh, transfer couldn't have gone any better for Oregon, right? He he came in and helped uh, helped the Ducks when they lost uh, Mikel Wright and and DJ James. You know, and he became the guy in that cornerback room under Demetrius Martin. So I think that you just need to add as many guys as you can at cornerback. And I think that this is a, a spot where you can try to find um, another transfer cornerback, because even if you get those guys that I mentioned in the 2023 class, there's no telling that they're going to be ready to play right away. So if you go to the portal, you have guys that are ready to come in and help you out right away and provide some immediate depth on that roster. And I think that is of the utmost importance. So I really like the Kyrie Jackson pickup for Oregon. He also has a lot of length, uh, which helps, right. You know, six foot three, uh, 197 pounds. So that's kind of where you see where Joey's coming from talking about that physicality and speed and athleticism. You have some, some, uh, willingness to tackle and, uh, a guy who's good in coverage. So you had coverage as a talking point with Justin Jacobs, the former, uh, Iowa linebacker that has uh, committed to transfer to Oregon. And then you have some more um, some more coverage skills coming in with uh, Kyrie Jackson. So that's kind of the big story of the day, right? We talked about Bo Nix coming back. We talked about some Dante Moore. Uh, we talked about Kyrie Jackson. So those are some big developments and uh, storylines that we're tracking and reporting on. 
We're right around the halfway mark now on this episode of the Duck Dish Podcast. I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break for those of you that are listening to us. Don't go anywhere. We got more Oregon football recruiting talk for you after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. We got 92 folks in here on YouTube. So big shout out to you guys if you are watching live on YouTube. Greatly appreciate your support. And while we're at it, just wanted to ask you guys, take a quick second out of your day and hit that like button for me. Make sure you're liking the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. That is a tremendous help. Um, And then shout out to everyone who's watching on Twitter as well. So a couple more topics I want to get into, and then I will get to hopefully get some comments or questions if you guys have them uh, in the live chat. Reminder that you can kind of jump to the front of the line with your question if you want to donate and support the channel with a super chat. Uh, All right, so let's keep talking about some Oregon football recruiting. It's about 9 o'clock here on the West Coast, um, but we are going to go ahead and keep ramping it up and talking about some some, uh, Oregon football recruiting because you guys know I'm always here for it. Um, one One of the bigger developments kind of to come out of the weekend. Um, I think it was late Thursday night. Maybe it was Friday morning, but I'm thinking it was late Thursday night. Um, Jurion Dickey, Oregon's five-star wide receiver commit in the 2023 class, uh, tweeted a video that he had uh, arrived on campus for his uh, for a visit. I actually don't know if it was an official visit, but he got out to Eugene for a visit. So Jurion Dickey in Eugene and that was a huge development. You know, I had talked to him late October and he told me, he told me that a couple of big name schools were still pretty active in his recruitment, you know, still pursuing him schools like Tennessee schools, like Penn state schools, like Texas A&M, 
you know, and those are all schools that we know can be competitive in, in the NIL uh, landscape, uh, NIL era of football, right? You know, you had all the back and forth about Jimbo Fisher's 2022 recruiting class, which was just loaded with talent. And then they had a horrible year, but they're still competitive when it comes to recruiting. You know, credit to Jimbo Fisher. He's a good recruiter as well. Um, but we kind of know how uh, Texas A&M is, is uh, a school that can be competitive in the NIL landscape. So for Oregon to get Jurion Dickey back on campus was absolutely huge because when I talked to Jurion, uh, he was saying that it wasn't looking like he was going to sign early. And then in the weeks since that interview I had with him in the Bay Area, um, he talked to, to Chad Simmons. And I think the quote that stood out is he was saying he was 50-50 about signing early uh, or not with uh, with the Ducks. So you get Jurion Dickey back on campus for a visit, and that gives you a great opportunity with a bunch of other commits on campus as well. Um to try to seal the deal and really just, you know, get this recruitment wrapped up that, Hey, Jurion, you know, we're happy you're on board. Uh, you have Bo Nix, this Bo Nix news of him coming back for the 2023 season. So maybe if they're able to parlay that into some momentum with Jurion Dickey to get him to maybe sign his, his letter of intent on Wednesday and just, you know, wrap up that recruitment, that would be absolutely huge for Oregon because there's been a lot of talk, like we just said about Dante Moore and, uh, you know, some speculation about him flipping to UCLA. And then you think, okay, well, what would that mean for Jurion? You know, the, the number two recruit, the number two rated recruit and the five-star prospect in the um, 2023 recruiting class for Oregon. So if you can get him, him locked in, I think that that would be absolutely huge. So I think that was one of the bigger visitors for the weekend for, for Oregon with, with Jurion. And, you know, until he signs and you have other schools that are still in the picture, that's a, a fight you're going to be in. So I think, you know, getting him on campus, like I said, is huge. And, and then we'll have to continue tracking that recruitment and, and see if he ultimately decides to, um, to, to sign or not. And, you know, that, that, uh, that's a, a recruitment that is also coupled closely with Ashton Kozart, right? Cause he's the other wide receiver commit that the ducks have in the 2023 recruiting class, you know, dynamic duo type of a deal. And then the ducks also missed, missed out on uh Tretch Kekahuna, um, yesterday he announced his commitment to Arizona and then Jeremy Bernard, the former Michigan state wide receiver, uh, reunited, uh, with Washington in a very fascinating term of events. I thought that Oregon was really in a good spot to, to potentially add him to their 2023 recruiting class. But like I've said before, recruiting is far from a perfect science. So, um, you know, that's what I, I have on jury on Dickey. Definitely one of the more interesting recruitments, seeing that Oregon is, is you know, still fighting to, you know, you still got to recruit guys, even if they're committed uh, until they sign on that dotted line. And then as we know, with the era of transfer portal, you have to recruit guys, even when they're already on your team and they're already playing for you. So it is a wild time. The next recruit I want to talk about is Jaden Lamar, because Oregon is pushing very hard to flip 2023 Notre Dame running back commit Jaden Lamar from Lake Stevens, Washington. Um, you know, this is a name that has been on Oregon's radar for quite a bit. Um, for quite a bit, uh, you know, even before Dante Dowdell uh, announced his commitment to Oregon, Jaden Lamar was a name that Oregon was very much in the mix with. 
he took a visit to Oregon and then he committed to Notre Dame when the Ducks were still in the running for names like for names like Richard Young in, in the 2023 recruiting class for names like, um, oh man, who's that? Uh, Jeremiah Love, another Notre Dame commit. But things have kind of gotten shaky or not shaky, but they've changed up quite a bit with, with Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame has lost a commitment from Dylan Edwards, uh, who flipped his commitment to Colorado. And, you know, Dylan Edwards is a more running back, wide receiver, do-it-all kind of a guy. And then they also added a commitment in the 2024 class with Anias Williams, who is one of the top all-purpose backs in the country. So I don't think that, you know, the, the I, I do think rather that things are looking pretty solid at the running back spot for, for um, Notre Dame when it comes to running backs. And, you know, one of the Notre Dame sources that I talked to or a, a, a source close to the Notre Dame program, you know, more or less told me that Notre Dame has been feeling shaky about this, uh, this commitment with Jaden Lamar, which has given Oregon the perfect opportunity to capitalize. Um, so, you know, other schools are trying to come in and poach Dante Moore. Well, Oregon's trying to poach, uh, if you want to call it, you know, flip um, other recruits and, we know that Carlos Lachlan was in Washington to watch Jaden Lamar capture a state title. Um, so that's obviously showing some priority there. And then Carlos Lachlan was in Seattle last week for an in-home visit with Jaden Lamar. Um, and I know that that visit went well. And then we didn't really see a lot about it on social. Um, but Jaden Lamar is, he could be at Oregon right now. I know he's visiting this weekend. So Oregon, like we talked about with Jurion Dickey, um, you know, even though he's already committed, Oregon brings a guy like Jaden Lamar to campus this weekend looking to seal the deal. So, you know, based on the the the, the digging that I've been able to do and the intel that I've been able to gather, gather on this recruitment, I'm feeling really good about Jaden Lamar and, uh, you know, Oregon ultimately being the landing spot there because, I know that he's the only other running back that they're recruiting in the 2023 class aside from Dante Dowdell. So you get a guy who has a different play style than Dowdell in this 23 class. And that's a really good pairing. I think that, uh, you know, a guy who has a winning pedigree, um, even though Washington isn't always super respected when it comes to, um, when it comes to the national scene, right. And competition, but you're looking at Jaden Lamar and that's a guy who ran for 2000 yards his senior year. And I think he scored 30 plus touchdowns. So I think that's a really solid piece. If Oregon is able to add Jaden Lamar in this 2023 recruiting class, but he's pushing real, real hard. Um, the Oregon staff is pushing really hard for Jaden Lamar in this 2023 recruiting class. And you have to keep an eye on him because he could be on flip watch um, and I, like I said, I feel really good about Oregon's, Oregon's chances there with Jalen Lamar. So I wanted to make sure that I hit on him. A couple other names that I'm going to hit on and then try to get some of these comments. Um, Ashton Porter, the 2023 defensive lineman out of Texas, uh, was slash is on campus for his Oregon official visit over the weekend. He, uh, posted a picture on his Instagram story, which I shared out on, on, uh, Twitter, um, with Johnny Bowens, one of Oregon's 2023 defensive line commitments, who's also from the state of Texas. Um, so Porter initially announced that he was going to be making his college commitment on January 3rd, has a top five with, with Houston, 
um, Mississippi State, Michigan State, and uh, Oregon. Um, I think TCU is the other school that's also in the mix there, but I'm feeling really good about Ashton Porter going to Oregon. Uh, I made a prediction for Ashton Porter to Oregon uh, before the weekend. Um, so getting him on campus was definitely big for the Ducks, and they're definitely looking to wrap that that one up and maybe parlay that into some more momentum as we enter the week of uh, of early of the early signing period. So keep an eye on Ashton Porter and see. Uh, we'll see what's going on with that recruitment, but feeling great about Oregon's chances there as of right now. I know you'll think you'll recall about a month or so ago, I was talking about how Oregon's making a big push in the Lone Star State. And, uh, you know, David Hicks may not be feeling super confident about him ending up a duck, but uh, Ashton Porter is a could potentially be a huge piece of this Oregon class in terms of what he can do wrecking havoc, getting after the quarterback, and getting in the backfield. Another guy we have to talk about, five-star Iowa offensive line commit, Caden Proctor. His mom posted a picture on social media of the in-home visit with the coaching staff. So obviously Oregon is doing everything they can to flip the Iowa commit. Um, You know, I think I was talking a little bit, maybe I didn't, but when he took his official visit to Oregon for the Washington game. It really looked like things were trending towards him flipping from Iowa to Oregon that weekend. But as we know, Oregon lost that game. I'm not saying that's why it didn't happen, but like I said, that obviously hurts your recruiting momentum when you don't win um, on a given week or if you're having a rough season. But luckily for Oregon, they haven't had a whole lot of losses this year. But I bring that up to say that it looked like Oregon was going to flip uh, Caden Proctor that weekend, and then they've since gone in home for a visit. And then a newer development is that Caden Proctor is on campus or was on campus, depending on when he's leaving, in Tuscaloosa for a visit with Alabama and the Crimson Tide. And if you followed this recruitment for a while, you know that this was originally down to a final two of Iowa and Alabama after all of these big, big name programs, programs. We're uh, in the running, you know, pursuing Proctor. He said, hey, I'm going to slow it down and just choose between Alabama and Iowa. And Oregon never stopped in that recruitment. But we know how hard it is when you when you get – when Nick Saban and that staff gets guys on campus, they know what they're doing when it comes to recruiting. So that's an update on Caden Proctor. Alabama is very much in the picture now. Um, I'm not sure on a timeline for Proctor, but since he's already committed, I would assume he wants to have this thing wrapped up during the early signing period. Last guy I want to talk about, Solomon Davis, the 2023 athlete out of Charter Oaks. Um, He is a defensive back target for Oregon in the 2023 recruiting class, and he is someone that I have made a prediction for, uh, for Oregon to land. I'm still feeling good about that pick, but this is an interesting development that he is visiting Stanford this weekend because it looked like the original plan was for him to take a visit to Notre Dame uh, of the official variety. But now he's on campus at Stanford. And another big recruit that is on campus for Stanford is their 2023, their newly minted 2023 quarterback commit, Miles Jackson. Uh, I'm told that those two have a very close relationship. So I still feel good right now uh, on Sunday evening, December 18th, about uh, Solomon Davis in Oregon. But seeing that he pivoted a little bit and went to Stanford, I think is a notable update that's worth tracking. And then that relationship with, uh, with uh, Miles Jackson. We know that Troy Taylor was recently named the new head coach at Stanford after David Shaw resigned. 
uh, you know, with a, one of the longest tenured head coaches, if not the longest tenured head coach at Stanford, other than John Harbaugh, that has to be the only or Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, I think. Yeah, sorry, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I get those the, the two brothers mixed up a little bit. So that was just an update that I thought was worth uh, touching on. But I'm going to see if I can go through and scroll back through some of these comments and uh, get to some of these questions because I want to see what's on your guys' mind and what you guys want to ask. So I'll see if I can get some of these comments and see what uh, what people have to say. Uh, Miguel says, I'm excited for Bo returning. Randy says, Bo coming back will help with recruiting. Yeah, no, that's definitely the case. I mean, he was already doing a little bit of recruiting before he made his decision public, but that is absolutely big. Um, we have a comment from... And Omoli saying, I met Bo just last Thursday. I told him Eugene loves you. I, I like to think that I helped him in his decision. Yeah, that was definitely that was definitely all you. Um, Johnny says he's got some dancing emojis for, for Bo coming back. We got Austin in the chat. Uh, Austin says, I'm so hyped for Bo to be back. First time being live to uh, first being live to Max. Love your stuff. What's up, Austin? Thanks for thanks for tuning in. Uh, we got Mikey G here. Um, yeah, so that's absolutely big. We have another comment from Obi Obi One, and he says, "I'd take a season Bo Nix over a freshman Dante Moore every day." Yeah, and I think that I'm kind of in this same boat. But you also, it's it's interesting to see, you know, well, if if Oregon is able to hang on to Dante Moore, you know, would he be? How much would he be able to push Bo for the starting job? You know, what would that competition look like? since Bo has already had so much success at Oregon versus a guy who you need to develop and, you know, isn't ready to start necessarily right away. But this is a guy, Dante Moore, here's a guy, right? Selling Chris Collinsworth. This is a guy, Dante Moore is a guy that is the number one recruit in America, according to SIL American. And he's a guy that was named the elite 11 MVP. So absolutely huge. Um, so I think that I think that that's big to to just kind of track the. We don't really know what that quarterback competition would look like, so um, we'll have to see if if he ultimately you know hangs on. But I think that that's one of the this comment kind of lends itself to the dynamic of quarterback recruiting now in the era of the transfer portal. You know, I think a lot of programs are going to be placing an emphasis and a priority in some cases on transfer quarterbacks rather than high school quarterbacks, because you have guys that are ready to go. Um, so it's, it's definitely, definitely an interesting deal. And, and quarterback is the, the most important position. So it's, it's just a complicated deal. You know, how is, how is quarterback recruiting going to look different in another year? Is it going to be even more heavily contested? Is it going to be even more drama filled? Cause we're seeing guys, uh, you know, making commitments, uh, you saw, I know another one was Wisconsin added Nick Evers, the former Oklahoma quarterback. It was either Oklahoma or Florida. I think he flipped from Florida to Oklahoma, but it was a little hard to keep track of. But that's a big addition and maybe one that flies under the radar. All right. Uh, CJ Curtis, where this is some more of the earlier earlier comments. So um, let's see. Let's see what... Uh, what CJ said, CJ said, I think it's gutsy for him to come back with a much less experienced O-line and the play caller he had so much synergy with. If he struggles or regressive, 
or regresses, he'll have much less chance to get drafted. Yeah, I mean that's that's a risk you're taking if you're if you're Bo Nix, right? Or if you're Oregon. Um, you know, you had all that good chemistry and synergy with Kenny Dillingham, and then now you have you're kind of hoping to I don't want to say capture lightning in a bottle twice, but you're hoping that you know you can bring in another young play caller who has a lot of momentum after his strong season at, at, at UTSA with the Roadrunners, and you're hoping that he gels well with um, with Bo Nix in uh, his second year at Oregon. Um, but Oregon's going to have to go to the portal now, I think. Um, you have some good pieces for the offensive line already on the roster with guys like um, Josh Connerly coming back. I, I, we have to see what happens with Steven Jones. Jackson Powers Johnson is a solid piece, that offensive line that's coming back. Marcus Harper. Um, but Oregon is actively – is actively, you know, going after guys in the transfer portal, right? You had uh, a Johnny Cornelius, the Rhode Island transfer. Um, he's a guy who visited Oregon, uh, also visited Nebraska, but he is the um, pretty much the most highly coveted offensive lineman in, in the transfer portal right now. So he's been out to Nebraska. He's been out to Oregon. This weekend, he's uh, out in Knoxville at, at Tennessee, um, you know, just a couple days ago, got offered from Ohio state and there's just so many schools that are, are in this recruitment. And then you had another, uh, another offer for Oregon go out to Jeremiah Byers, who is reportedly visiting Oregon this weekend, the UTEP, uh, transfer offensive lineman who has two years of, of eligibility, um, remaining. So Oregon's doing their homework and they're bringing these guys in and they're offering them out of the transfer portal and, and they're doing what they can and they're trying to add some of those pieces because they know that they're going to have to try to deal with this. They're going to have to deal with, they're not going to try to, they have to deal with this, you know, kind of more or less exodus of offensive linemen because that was such a veteran laden group. TJ Bass is going, Alex Forsyth is going, Salah is going, Ryan Walk. So there's so many pieces that were just so consistent for you for so long and, and they're not going to be there anymore. So um, it's definitely a risk um, for, for Bo, but obviously it's one that, that comes with a lot of calculation. And, and I think that he's confident in this coaching staff and the, the pieces that they're going to be able to, to add here. Um, all right, let's see what else we got here. Here we got a comment from Andrew. He's a longtime viewer of the show. What's up, Andrew? Glad to have you back. Andrew says, with Big Show Bo back, if he plays to his potential, he and Franklin could be first-round picks next cycle. Big Show Bo. I like that. Uh, we called him Bo Heisman. We called him Bo Shiesty. Uh, That was more so the players, but I kind of like that one. Bo Shiesty, uh was a nickname for, for Bo Nicks this year. Big Show Bo uh, is, is a cool nickname. Yeah, I mean, he and Troy Franklin were obviously in a groove – all season long. And, and I think that it was really refreshing to see a young wideout like Troy Franklin just play at such a high level because like I was talking about, it just was, it felt criminal to see how underutilized he and all of the receivers were uh, under Mario Cristobal. But, but now, you know, this year he was able to take the top off the defense and then had, I think one of my favorite plays for Troy Franklin this year had to be that massive 50 yard bomb uh, against BYU when you just heard Otson absolutely erupt, but yeah, I'd be curious to see where Bo Nix was uh, mock drafted to, or you know, what kind of draft evaluation grade he got back from from people, because um, it feels like Troy Franklin is definitely playing himself uh, to be in contention to be a first round draft pick from Oregon, and he's just looking like a, an absolute stud. 
And uh, you hope that he can pick off, pick up where he left off last year. And then, you know, another strong season from Bo, good decision-making, taking care of the ball, being a dual threat quarterback and, and affecting the game with his arm as well as his legs uh, is, is huge. So we'll have to see what kind of uh, leaps, excuse me, what kind of leaps Bo Nix can make in 2023 when he comes back to Oregon. All right. Um, let's see what else we have here. Um, see me on the big screen says with Bo returning, do you think Casey Rogers does too? Yeah. Casey Rogers. I, I didn't, I wasn't super sure how much, how much um, eligibility he actually had left. So I'm looking on Nebraska's website right now. So 2018, he redshirted. 2019, he played in four games as a redshirt freshman. Uh, 2020, played in every game. 2021, um, was injured and missed the first five games of the season, returned to play in the final seven, and then he played in 2022. Um, so maybe he would have one more year um, based on some some COVID stuff, but I think that Casey Rogers has to be a major priority, assuming that he has more eligibility. I, I honestly thought that he uh, didn't have any more eligibility. Um, but if he does have more eligibility, I think Casey Rogers is a huge piece that you want to get back along that defensive line because Oregon has struggled to bring in big time defensive linemen. And I can't even imagine what the defensive line would have looked like this year if they didn't get pieces like Casey Rogers, Jordan Riley, Taki Taimani out of the transfer portal because those guys were able to come in right away and they just bolstered that defensive line and they didn't fill up the stat sheet too much. But Casey Rogers was one of those guys who just week after week just kept going on that upward trajectory. I have heard that Casey Rogers and Bo Nix are, are pretty close. Um, so I think that that's definitely a, a bonus. Um, and I'm not, I'm kind of wondering where, where Casey Rogers' draft stock is at right now because maybe he would benefit from another year since he already saw you know how much of an impact he can have uh, at Oregon. So um, Casey Rogers has to be a priority on the defensive line because we still haven't seen any, uh, any more uh, NFL draft declarations aside from, um, aside from Christian Gonzalez and DJ Johnson. So figure if you're able to get Casey Rogers back for one more year, he would be a huge piece of your defensive line. But I think all eyes right now, and we're talking defensive line for Oregon have to be on Brandon Dorless because he's your top pass rusher. That's still on the roster since DJ Johnson um, declared for the NFL draft. And it looks like he's played his last game. Dan Lending said he's not expecting any more bull opt outs when he's been getting asked. So we'll have to see what happens to Casey Rogers, but definitely a priority for the staff right now. Trevor talking about Bo Nix. Trevor says Bo back means Oregon has time. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's that's one way to look at it. I think that's probably the way a lot of people feel like. I think the thing that's interesting when it comes to Oregon managing the quarterback position is it when you're bringing in transfers year after year after year, um, I think that it kind of feels like you're buying time, buying time, buying time. And it's like, when is Oregon going to take that leap of faith and maybe it doesn't come. I don't know. I'm not saying they need to, but I think a lot of fans are asking themselves, maybe not just Oregon fans, college football fans that, that just know kind of what Oregon's been like and how they've been on the doorstep of a national championship um, as, as recent as 2014. Right. And then in 2019, they could have gone to the playoffs until they lost to Arizona state. And then this year they, they uh, looked like they were making some noise again until they lost to uh, Washington. And then last year they were making some noise until they lost to Utah twice. 
But for a team that feels like they've been so close, when are they going to put the ball in the hands of a non-transfer quarterback? I think my my uh, my opinion on this has has shifted kind of, you know, ebbs and flows because it feels like in the era of football that we're in right now with with the transfer portal and with name image and likeness and with how important it is to have a quarterback, maybe it's not something that Oregon has to do in terms of giving the ball to a highly touted prep quarterback. Um, I think I saw a comment earlier on in the show talking about, you know, getting a five-star quarterback maybe doesn't mean as much as it used to because you can go to the transfer portal now. So it's super interesting, but I think that Oregon does have some time uh, in terms of trying to figure out who that guy after Bo is going to be. But on the other hand, you don't have time because you need to get some backups into that room that are capable of making some plays and making things happen in the event that Bo does get hurt. So that's the biggest dynamic that they have to manage now. Um, and then you also want to try to do everything you can to, to hang on to Dante more, but we should have an answer on that, you know, in just a couple days. All right. What else do we have? Um, probably going to get to a couple of them. Um, okay. Here's a different opinion from Christopher. Christopher says, I'm alone in this, but I was definitely wanting Bo to leave. I'm still deeply entrenched in the fact that Bo will never get us a win in any championship games, conference, playoff, or natty. That's an interesting one. That's an interesting one because I think I've kind of been in the boat where I've wanted Oregon to go to a prep quarterback, but Bo comes in and he's the most success, most successful transfer quarterback that Oregon's had since Vernon Adams. Um, and it's hard to talk about not thinking that uh, Bo is going to be able to get a win for Oregon and, you know, a conference championship game, a playoff of the national championship game. Granted, all those games are on completely different levels, right? I think anyone would tell you playing in the Pac-12 title game is different from playing in a playoff semifinal, which is also different from playing in a national championship, but I don't know we can, if we can say that I, I wouldn't agree about Bo not being able to get a win in a conference championship game because he was hurt to end the year. Um, so if, if you're talking about a hundred percent healthy Bo Nix, um, I'm definitely going to have to disagree and say that I think that he might've been able to get Oregon a win in the Pac-12 title game. Um, if they're, if they're going against USC, like they were on the trajectory to, um, until things kind of fell off towards the end of the season, because um, here's something that a lot of people I think we're talking about, even when Caleb Williams won the Heisman. Wow, Caleb Williams and, U- and USC lost to Utah twice, but Oregon and Bo Nix were able to beat Utah, even though Bo Nix was essentially on one foot or on one leg. So that's an interesting one to uh, to track for sure. But uh, hey, I like some some uh, some spicy discussion and having the opportunity to kind of go back and forth and, and get your eyes's uh, get your guys's opinion. Um, Brady says Bo is exciting to have back. We still need a defense. Yeah, I mean that was one thing with Oregon that I feel like was kind of just something that I was thinking about. You know, you have this awesome offense that is racking up points, racking up points, racking up points, but if you don't have a defense that can slam the door on, on some of these other teams and, you know, come away with key takeaways and come away with big stops, it's, it's a piece of the puzzle that a lot of these championship teams and championship, 
you know, winning programs, programs ultimately have. And, and Oregon just wasn't there this year. Um, and I think having some consistency this year, we talked about consistency and the lack of it with, you know, quarterback in the past and with offensive coordinators, Oregon's going to have some consistency from a defensive standpoint going from 2022 into 2023 as of right now. Um, you know, provided obviously that Dan Lane's still at Oregon and then Tosh Lapoy is still the defensive coordinator. I think that Tosh Lapoy gets so much criticism from this year because the defense was just not at all what people envisioned it to be. But Tosh Lapoy is a difference maker on this Oregon staff when it comes to talent acquisition. And then I think also talent development, because you got to remember, this is a roster that he inherited and ultimately didn't recruit. So you have a year to get these 2023 guys in your system, and maybe you get some more true freshmen that are playing. And I think that he is an absolute asset when it comes to roster construction, talent acquisition, and winning some big recruiting battles. And we know that they're in the mix for some big recruits still down the line here with, with David Hicks and Mateo Uyangalele. Um, I'm not really feeling too, too confident about either of those guys, but there's still some defensive pieces that Oregon's in the running for. And I think that he's going to play a big role in Oregon ultimately landing them. So you got to build that defense for sure. You got to get more pass rushers, uh, some more linebackers. You really need help at all three levels, I think, but there's also some good pieces already on the roster that I think have some potential to build from. All right. What else do we have here? Uh, probably take one or two more and then going to have to sign off. All right. What else do we have? Um, let's see. Do, do, do. Um, Randy has a good point here saying the second wave of the portal, we should be able to get some defensive players. That's another thing we have to monitor is after the bowl game for Oregon and Every other team across the country, after the bowl game, we will have probably another wave of transfer portal um, departures and transfer portal additions for every school across the country. So um, I think it's, it's you know, kind of ebbs and flows. And Oregon was able to, has been able to capitalize with Treshawn Holden, Justin Jacobs, and Kyrie Jackson. Um, but I know they still have their eye on a number of big time targets in the transfer portal and, um they're going to they're gonna need to get some big pieces out of the portal to ultimately get them to that next level. But I think that is going to do it for us here on this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Like I said, not totally sure what I'm going to be able to do one of these again because I am uh, heading out on vacation and I'm going uh, to be in Europe actually. So I'm going to do everything I can to stay up to date and try to keep everything uh, as punctual as possible, but not really sure how the podcast is going to work. But um, That'll do it for us here on this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Appreciate you guys all for tuning in, whether it's on podcast or here on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus or on Twitter. Lock in with me on Twitter at MTaurus Sports. Hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. And then do me a favor. The best way you can support the channel and support the show is sharing the show. Share the Ducks Dish Podcast with your friends, with your family, with other Duck fans. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Until next time, this has been the Ducks Dish Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.